have been talking for some time under the title, Trapped by Your Tradition. Someone say that, Trapped by Your Traditions. Uh, men who have been uh, somewhat in an unending cycle of trying to be justified before God by their own performance. We dealt with that very significantly for about eight weeks. And I, I would admonish you to go back to the previous teachings that are on our website, on our church page, uh, on our uh, church app, and you can catch up as to where we are. And two, three weeks ago, this is our third week under that title. This is a subtopic we've been talking about under grace. Will you say that? Under grace. Now, I want to read Romans 6.14, and as we go on, we're going to actually deal with chapter number 6. But I want you to read this along with me. And one of the things, and write this down as a subheading under, under grace today, uh, protecting my profession. Will you say that? Protecting my profession. Profession, with the same word, confession. And we're going to see this. It's very important. And as Holy Spirit wanted me to reiterate what we talked about last week uh, about our position in Christ, which we are seated in heavenly places. We are seated in him. And we want to make sure that no one pulls me out of my seat. Amen. For sin shall not have. Sir, please help me with this microphone. <laughs> Thank you, sir. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Come on. For you are not under law, but under grace. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time right here, but let me uh, recapitulate. But right here, as I've said before, you and I were never born under the old covenant system. We were never born, Minister Hill, under the old covenant system of uh, performing or keeping certain requirements to be justified before the Father. Okay? Now, there has been a mixture of law and grace or an incomplete teaching, if you will, on law and grace. And I believe that's why a lot of people have gotten into this performance-based Christianity where we are still trying to justify ourselves before God based upon what we do. Now, uh, we know that the, there, there was the ceremonial laws, the civil laws, um, the, the moral laws aspect of the old covenant. We've we seen how they were types and shadows unto the reality or the substance who came, which was Jesus Christ. Now, as far as the moral part of the law, uh, which dealt with thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, do we still keep those things? Absolutely. But in keeping those things, they are insufficient to justify us before God. We still do those things, men of God, but doing those things is not what make you right. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. But just because you don't do it, that is not what makes you right before God. Please do not do those things. Because when you teach this, people think that you are teaching the gospel of antinomianism. We talked about that. Will you say that? Antinomianism. Say it again. Antinomianism. Okay, and we talked about anti meaning against, nomos meaning law. So antinomianism means against the law, meaning that when you teach the grace of God, because what we have to get, when that work right here where it says, for you shall not have dominion, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, you are under grace, that's exactly what that means. We're under grace. And because... Uh, improper teaching, uh, you have pastors who water it down. So they give you a little bit of uh, law, and they give you a little bit of grace, and they keep you in uh, uh, limbo because it, you still feel like you haven't measured up. And again, whenever you try to uh, uh, justify yourself before God based upon your own effort, you are either becoming very prideful or very depressed. You become very prideful because you think it's crossing every T, dotting every I that makes you right. And those who uh, uh, we're still working on something to being perfected, we feel like, Lord Jesus, I can't measure up to Sister Sally. So, so you get depressed and more depressed. And 
Are you with me? <laughs> so, so, so we're not teaching. So what antinomianism literally means is that uh, when people say that you're teaching that, it means that believers can live morally free. That is not what we're teaching. And as a matter of fact, and, and I'm going to show you again, when you understand grace, who Christ is uh, per, uh, the personification of grace, okay, the embodiment. He is. So when you talk about grace, you're talking about the man, Jesus. And, and, and when you understand that, grace actually makes you all the more eager to want to do the right thing. Let me show you. Are you with me? Ah, man, I done jumped ahead of myself. What were we talking about? What were we talking about? Under grace, right? Now let me show you something. And because of that mixed mixture, religion has done a number on the children of God, spiritually and psychologically. And a lot of people are, you know, have literally walked away from religion. They still love God, but, but they hate religion. And what I mean by religion, man trying to justify himself before God based upon what he does. Are you here? And see, here's one thing you have to realize about religion. Religion teaches man how to perform. Grace teaches man how to receive. I'm just going to sit that right there and let you write it down. Religion teaches you how to perform. Grace teaches you how to receive. Are you here? So we've been talking about under grace, and we said that the gospel message, notice we were commissioned to preach the gospel, the good news. And we've discovered the last couple of weeks that the good news or, or the gospel message is the good news of God's grace. Watch this, which is a result of the finished work of Jesus. So the gospel is the good news of God's grace, which is a result of the finished work. Who gets that? So because of the finished work, Minister Hill, we're now seated in grace. <laughs> Are y'all here? See, this is important because it, Watch this. When you've been beat down and performed so long and you hear truth, because grace and truth came through Christ. So when you hear truth along with that mixture, again, you're going to find yourself in that cognitive dissonance. You have conflicting beliefs now because religion taught you to perform and grace teaches just to receive. Oh, there's a battle going on. That's why you have to stand in his truth. Are you with me? So, again, we're not talking about um, living any kind of way. That's the farthest thing from the truth. Who's getting this? Who's getting this? Now, we always get it at uh, uh, faith. That's a whole other message. And, and, and James, when he talks about faith without works is dead, he's not talking about works to be right. We, we already seen that you're not, man is not justified by the works of the law. Paul tells us that. So what James talked about, faith without, what he was telling those who were scattered abroad, is that if you are really a believer, we will know by your good deeds, not your works to be right. In other words, by the mere fact that I do right identifies me. As having a relationship with Christ. That's what it means, faith without works is dead. So, in other words, if, if there are no good deeds, no good works in terms of your actions, no fruit, perhaps you are either somewhere where you're not getting the proper information, uh, you probably don't have a relationship at all. Are you with me? But we'll get on that when we get back on 
faithful to new creation. But we've seen that the gospel message is the good news of God's grace. We've seen Acts 20, 24, you can put it up as a reference. The, uh, we've seen Apostle Paul testifying that, that his ministry was to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Who remembers this? Acts 20, 24. Then we've seen in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, verses 7 through 11. Now, again, he's all, uh, Paul is also known as the apostle of grace. So we see in 2 Corinthians 3, we've seen this last week, uh, verses 7 through 11, he's segregating the two covenants between God and his people. You got to remember, he lived under both. You remember, he was a Pharisee at one time before he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he, he lived under the old and the new. Are here. So he's qualified to teach on this. So, and he showed us throughout uh, this passage that uh, this new covenant or the ministry of the Spirit under the new covenant brings a greater glory than the old. Uh, look, put up verse 8 for me. Verse 8. No. Yeah, yeah verse 8. Uh, how will the ministry of the Spirit, the new covenant which allows us to be... Uh, spirit filled, failed to be even more glorious and splendid. Look at verse 10 and 11. Let me show you something. Indeed, where's it at? Verse 10 and 11. Indeed, what had glory, talking about what? The law, in the case, in this case, no longer has glory because of the what? Glory that surpassed it, talking about the gospel of grace, which he preached. Are you here? For if that law which fades away, and we done dealt with it, the whole thing of the law, I'm not going to get into that. Go back and listen to it. How much more must that gospel which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor? Do you see this? So thus, now let me say this. Remember, Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. He fulfilled it, right? We went through all that. When this, uh, we see in Galatians uh, when the, uh, this new faith has come, the tutor was no longer needed. Who remembers seeing all this? Okay. Uh, we've seen that uh, he is the end of the law. We've seen that, right? So the gospel of grace, now listen to this, does not overthrow the law because Christ came to fulfill it. Listen to this very carefully. It upholds the law and shows how the law's demands have been fully satisfied by the redemptive or finished work of Christ. That's why he fulfilled it. So there was no longer any need to do these things to be right. Are you here? And because it is now, grace has now placed us in right standing with God. There's no more keeping of any requirements in order to be right. Do right. Are you here? But it means our righteousness before God is on the basis of Christ's finished work. Will you say that my righteousness before God is on the basis of the finished work of Jesus? Now, we say that word grace is the Greek word charis. It literally means unmerited love and favor. God's enabling power. See, that goes back to his grace actually enables you, makes you eager to do the right thing. Who gets this? L l let me show you Because <laughs> this teaching, the God, I'm going to be like Bishop now. <laughs> well, Pastor, does the teaching of the gospel of grace Salvation by grace through faith encourage sinful living? Absolutely not. Grace makes us eager to do the right thing. Let's go to Titus 2 and 11. I want to, again, the TPT makes a little bit, Pastor likes this translation, a little bit more lucid. Let's look at this. God's marvelous grace has ah, see me, manifested 
in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same Jesus, <laughs> this same grace teaches us, see, come on, guys, teach us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us. See, that's that enabling power to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age. So when you hear the gospel of grace taught properly, it is taught, it should be taught, and when it's taught right, it lets you know that this enables me, not give me an excuse or ticket, if you will, to go out and live any kind of way. Who gets this? I'm still reviewing. Are you with me? Huh? <laughs> now, see, uh, oh, I, the Lord, I, I'm getting into next week and the week after that's message. Because at the end of Romans chapter 5, Paul began to talk about the, the, the overflowing abundance of grace. So his argument in Romans, beginning in chapter 6 through 8, uh, one of the things, actually beginning in chapter 6, his argument, it helps us understand the difference between the believer's position and its practice. Notice we're talking about we are seated. Now, we're just seeing that his grace equips us to live life self-control, ungodly. See, the believer's position is that he's seated in Christ. Remember, and we'll go back to it in Romans 5, we have access by faith into this grace which we Stand, which I said, taught you last week that it was figuratively, that word stand literally means to be steadfast, which we're going to see to be seated. Well, how can you say that? Well, if he's seated in heavenly places and we're seated in him, we're not standing. So he's not saying, no, in, in Romans 5, where, and we'll go to it, where he talks about, no, he's talking about sit in this. See, that, that's what that profession. See, see, watch this. You, you, you got you to gotta hold fast, though, because people can talk you out of your seat. You have to stay seated. I, I'm going to show you. Come on now. But, but our position is that, say, my position is, is that I am seated in Christ, okay? But our practice is what we should be doing in everyday living. See, we are seated in him. But our practice is what we should be doing in everyday life. See, grace puts us into position. Then it teaches us to walk worthy of it. we just seen that. Grace puts me into position. Then teaches me how to walk worthy of it. See, oh, oh, this, this is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna bless some of you. What I'm about to say. See, our position is absolutely perfect because we are in Christ. Positionally, our position has us absolutely perfect because we are in Christ. But see, our practice should increasingly correspond with our, or to our position. Positionally. That's why when he looks at us, he looks, us, looks at us in the light of what Christ did. Why? Because your life is hid in him. So positionally, you are right. Are you here? <laughs> Are you here? But our practice is to, score, is, is to correspond with our position. Who gets what I'm saying? Now, listen to this. Our practice now will never correspond perfectly until we see our Savior. But positionally, you're good. That's why the moment you receive salvation, you have eternal life 
then, not when you get over yonder. So positionally, you're set. And now your practice, as you mature more and more, should reflect grace or Christ. Who gets what I'm saying? Okay? Listen, the moment you get saved, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Bible tells us when we receive salvation, you have eternal life now. So positionally, that's why sometimes you, people say your spirit man is set. See, it's that fallen nature that we have to get in line to correspond with grace. Are you here? So, but, but, but in the meantime, while we are still here, we should be becoming more and more conformed to his image. But positionally, you're good. You, uh, let me show you the seats because y'all are like, oh, Pastor, you, last night I, I said a terrible thing to my wife. Apologize to your wife, man. But if you're a believer, positionally. And when you understand that, it'll help you respond more lovingly and lovingly. Why? Because he's full of grace. And if I am in him, I am full of <laughs> So we should extend the same as grace does. Why? Because I am full of Are you here? Then watch this. Oh, you got to go hear our bishop teach on this. And, and, and as a result of being seated, we cannot continue in sin because we have died to sin. Now, you can fall short, but he dealt with the sin issue. Are you here? See, I just said we cannot continue to sin because we have died to sin. This is a positional truth. You have died to sin. When Jesus died to sin, he died as our representative. He died not only as our substitute, meaning uh, dying in our place, but he died as our representative. In other words, he died as us. Are you here? Oh. Therefore, when he died, we died. You see this in Romans chapter 6. And, and I see why some looking like that. Perhaps you haven't read it. Like, where is that at? It's in your Bible. Okay? So when he died, we died. Are you here? So Jesus died to the whole question of sin, selling that question once and for all. All those who are in Christ are seen by God as having died to sin. That's why we are presented before him holy, blameless, and above reproach. <laughs> you missed that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, does this mean that you can't fall short? You can fall short. But he dealt with the sin issue. Are you here? And we'll, we'll get into that more when we make it to Romans chapter 6. But it means that he is identified, talking about us, in Christ's death and all that his death means. What are we talking about? Under grace, right? John 117. John 117, and here John is contrasting the Old Testament period with the New Testament era, but I want to see, show you something. For the law was given through Moses, but, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Again, if you remember, the law commanded men to obey the law. It, it, it commanded men to obey the law. And if they didn't command, you know, if they didn't obey, they were condemned. Are you here? It told men what was right, but it didn't give them the power to do it. It pointed them that 
they were in need of a Savior. Are you here? But grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. Now, Christ, and I said this some weeks ago, Christ's first advent when he first came was not to judge the world. You see this in John 12, 47. But to save those who were unworthy, who could not save themselves, and who were his enemies. See, that's grace. That's his undeserved favor. See, grace, again, is heaven's best for earth's worst. That's grace. That's, that's why I don't care what you win, what you've done. Grace reaches as low as you can go or as high as you can go or as wide as you go. There's no, you're never out of reach for grace. John, John, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, full, completely occupied with. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. Again, he is the epitome, the incarnation, the realization, the personification of grace. We've just seen that in Titus 2.11. If you want to put it back up there for anyone who didn't see it. But grace, marvelous, but God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. Now, I want to show you something, John 1, 16. Someone say, Jesus is full of grace. And John tells us that that fullness, those who are trusted in Christ, have received this grace upon grace. See, we, we, again, we've been condemned so much, beat down for not measuring up, that for some it's hard to believe. Jesus settled that fact once and for all. Holiness is not what you do. It's who you are. See, if I got to do stuff to be holy, see, that's conditional. Now I'm trying to do something in order to be justified. That's not your covenant. Are you here? For out of his fullness, do you see this? The superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all believers have received grace, grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Favor upon favor and gift upon gift. Are you here? This is what you, this is what you need to stay seated in. I have received grace upon grace, favor upon favor, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, gift upon gift. See, I'm seated in that. Are you here? Again, one of the hallmarks of any action or with one of the hallmarks of interaction with grace or with Christ is believers receive grace and then, listen to what he's saying, believers receive grace and then more grace. And grace served on top of that grace. And grace in place of that more grace. <laughs> the point is this. Christ is full of grace, and those who know him get showered with that grace. Why? Because we are in him. If he is full of it, and I am in him, you, you got to let that, you, you got to just hold that right there and just let it marinate like tea. Grace upon grace upon favor upon favor, you, you, have to, you have to sit in this, so you have to protect your profession. Let me show you something. You have to do what? Or your confession. Let's go to Romans 5, 1 and 2, Amplify. Again, I just told you that word. Well, let's read it first. <coughs> that clock moving faster. Did you speed that clock up? 
Guys, you, you, you can't walk away today and just let this sit. You got to get it in you. I need to be hearing this every day to uproot uh, incomplete teachings or wrong teachings or improper information. We shouldn't be walking around with this cloud of guilt and condemnation hanging over our heads. We reverence and we are in awe of God, in awe of God, but we shouldn't be afraid of God in the sense of if I miss it, oh, he's going to have to beat me down to get my attention. He gets his attention by talking to you. He chastened those whom he loved. That word chasten again in the Greek, it literally means God educates through his word those whom he loved. Not beat you. If, he, if every time I mess up, he has to beat me again, now I'm trying to establish my righteousness based upon my performance, and you will forever be beaten if that's the case. But that's not the God that you serve. He loves you. See, see, you got to remember, positionally, you are straight. God looks at you relative to your position. Uh, Therefore, since we have been justified, that is, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God, by faith, see, let us grab, see, as mom and them say, get this in your thick skull. You have to get this in your head that I have been acquitted of sin and declared blameless before God. What does acquitted mean? When you've been acquitted of a crime, listen, the, 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 the slate is clean. You've been acquitted of that crime. So why are you still holding what's been acquitted over your head? Why are you still feeling guilty? Condemned. No, I've been freed of that. That's been expunged off my record. Oh, y'all. Oh, Lord, I done beat the wrong finger. Lord Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blanks before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have what? Peace with, peace with, will you say this? I have peace with God. And the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the northern one. Verse 2, through him we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely, securely sit. It says stand, but that word stand here in the Greek, it means to establish or to be steadfast. To be steadfast. What does it mean? To be steadfast. Now let's look. Colossians 1, 21 and 23. Oh, this finger is throbbing. So uh, uh, let's look at this. So we said that word stand means to what? Be established to be steadfast. So when he was saying stand, it was in a figurative sense, not literal. What he said is be steadfast in his grace. Be what? Be, get established in it. Grabs that fact. <laughs> All, and although you were at one time estranged, alienated, and hostile mounted toward him, practicing evil things. Verse 22, yet Christ has now, he has done what? Reconciled you to who? 
God in his physical body through his death in order to present you before the Father. How, how are you presented? Holy and blameless and be beyond reproach. Do you see this? How are you presented? Holy and blameless. And see, that's position. Positionally, you are presented holy, blameless, and oh, and he would do this if you continue in the faith or the agreement, well-grounded and steadfast. Do you see this? Well-grounded and steadfast and not shifting away from the confident hope. That is a result of the gospel, which we know Paul's ministry was to preach the gospel of grace that you have heard, which was proclaimed in, in all Christ under heaven, and of which gospel I, Paul, was made a minister. And we see of Acts that it was the ministry of the gospel of grace, the finished work of Jesus, right? Notice he said, listen, he will present you this way, but you have to stay in agreement. Because if you got out of agreement, you will forever live in that realm of guilt and condemnation because you don't believe. He presents you holy. And you have to believe that, that even if I have a misstep, I am still presented holy, blameless, and above reproach. Why? Because this grace that I have received enables me, empowers me, to get to the place where I walk away from that ungodliness. Uh, that word steadfast, you hear? In the Greek, it means sitting or seated. Hedrayas, hedrayas in the Greek. Sitting or Seated, steadfast, firm. Properly, it means to sit, to be well seated, not given to fluctuation or moving off course. <laughs> Notice he said, he will present you holy, blameless, above reproach. Uh, assuming the fact that you stay in agreement and seated in this. He's not talking about your salvation. If I get out to see, I'll, you're not going to lose your salvation. You're not. <laughs> Are you here? He's talking about how you were presented. You have to sit in agreement and sit right there in that. That word steadfast means to what? Be seated. So I have to stay seated in agreement. Who gets that? What? Of what God said about you. <laughs> Look at verse 23 from God's word. I want to show you another way of saying this. Are you here? This is on the condition that you... Continue in faith. Hold on. This is on the condition that you continue in faith without being moved from the solid foundation of the hope that the good news contains. You've heard this good news of which I, Paul, became a servant. It has been spread throughout all the creation of heaven. See, you have to protect that with what you say. And what you say about yourself should be the same thing that God has said about yourself. If he say, I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, then that's what I am. And they'll tell you as people work on certain things, as they are, see, positionally, you're good. So now I got to get the practice to correspond with my position, which 
is a process. So we can't let people condemn us when I'm still in the process. Well, we went to dinner and he had a little red wine, but I'm seated. I'm not telling you to go get whatever. I'm just saying don't let nobody get you out of your seat. Well, he was at the cigar bar last night talking about he going to church in the morning. That hypocrite. Well, I am seated. See, see, we don't like this because religion done told you you're going to hell for doing this, for doing that, for doing this, for that. Am I telling you to do any of that? No, I'm saying if you are a believer, positionally you are set. You just got to get your practice to correspond with your position. And some get there a lot quicker than others. Like for me, when I left the club scene, I left. I had no more desire to go. Some have to practice their way out. What do you mean? Rather than going every Saturday, every, every other Saturday. Uh, once a month. Every other month. To where I don't even have a taste for it anymore. Unless I'm going to share this gospel, this good news of who. And see, it's not about kind of condemn. Now, if you're a believer, stay seated in where you are. I don't care what Rev said. I'm seated. I'm holy. And see, here's the thing. As you begin to believe that, it's going to change your trajectory because you actually know that I'm this not based on my performance, but what he did in a God that loves me that much. Why wouldn't I want my practice to correspond with my position? Are you here? Someone say, protecting my profession. Hebrews 10, 23. Let me show you something real quick. Oh. No, no, no. Let's go here first. What did I say? We were seated. We are what? Seated, right? Let's go to Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 real quick. Then we'll come back. Now I'm done. Is that actual 12 minutes or you added those 12 minutes? Oh, Jesus. What do you say, Pastor? Need to. Pastor was like, no, you take your time. Like sitting in movies. What you say, you're sitting in movies for two hours? You sit. You stay seated until the Lord. Finish saying what he have to say. I wish I'd have thought of this 45 minutes ago because I've been rushing this whole time. But I'm gonna sit the rest of the way through. Watch this. Were we? We are seated. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins. He made us spiritually alive together with Christ, for by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved, see, from his judgment. So when you miss it, why are you looking for judgment? Why are you looking to be hurt? If you miss the mark, you've been delivered from that. Now, hold on, because y'all clapping too quick. I'm not saying that there are no consequences behind doing crazy things. You go out here and rob the bank, and, and, and the police run you down. That's not God. You did that foolishness. Are you here? Verse 6, and he raised us up together with him. See, we find this in Romans chapter 6 I was talking about earlier. When we believed and seated us, no, in him. In heavenly places because we are in Christ. I told you in the Greek, it doesn't say with him. With is okay, but it's a watered-down version. It's transliterated in English. But the proper is in him. See, that sounds different. See, me, see, me seated with you, so when God looks to the right where Christ is seated. It, 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 see, that little 
blessed up. He ain't, no. One, you're still here anyway. So you that. But in the way we think it, he said, no, 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 you're not. Because to do that then, you got up there on your own. You got in that position on your own. No, you didn't. You are in him. So he sees you in him. So all who are in him, when he, when, when he looks at Christ, he's seeing everybody in light of what Christ did. Okay. And he raised us up together and seated us together in the heavenly realms. He seated us in him. Are you here? You were seated in him. So let's read it now. Let's read it in light of how it should be read. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us in him. Are you here? That's why Colossians 3 and 3 tells us, for you have died and your life is hid with, hidden in Christ Jesus. Are you here? With Christ in God, but you hid in him. Where, where's your life? And if he's seated, where are you? Seated. Don't be I'm seated next to you. You're not next to him. You are in him. Oh. <laughs> Lord. Lord, they're not getting this. Are you here? So you have to hold fast to that. Let me show you something. Hebrews 10, 23. Um. King James. Last Sunday was the 21st, right? Let me see something. Watch this. Are y'all here? Who's getting something? Have sat down, believe the word. Notice, just for reference, write this down. Hebrews 1 and 3, we've seen that Christ is sat down after he completed his work. He's at the right hand of a majesty on high, revealing his divine authority. So he's at the right hand, and we're there in him. That's why when he presents us, he sees us holy. See, blameless and above reproach, you have to stay in that. So to try to do it your way, you become like those that Paul talked about in Galatians 5, around verse 4. You move yourself. You sever yourself from his grace when you do that. Because now you're trying to depend on your own effort. Are you, we at Hebrews 10, 23. Let's close with this. Who's getting something? Let's show, let me show you something. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. You already know the context in this. You've heard it many times. Let us hold fast the profession. The Greek word, what do you say, son? Homologia. Put the definition up if this is your first time so you can see what he's telling us. Why you got to stay seated in this agreement. Will you say this positionally? I'm right with God. That's why because of Jesus we have now been made right with God, right? So positionally, I'm right with God. You have to believe that. I'm presented holy, blameless. And above reproach. See, oh, where religion has messed up, they're judging us based upon our practice and not our position. 
So when your practice isn't perfect, they think that you are out of position. And the only way I get out of position is if I let what you say move me out of that confident expectation of how I'm presented before the Father. Man, brother at the restaurant sitting at the bar. And what was I doing at the bar? See how people do? Yeah, I seen old Red. You know how y'all doing now. Every week, y'all trying to video people getting preachers on, on world star now. So every little thing we say is scrutinized. But you repeat something I say, get it, look at the whole conclusion of the matter. And there's no sin, whoever, this is whoever need this, if you sit at a bar. Stop all that. And what you do, that's your prerogative. But I do know this, if truth has been taught, anything that's not reflective of my position, I am practicing my way out of it to where now my practice corresponds with how I'm seated. And we will sound like Jesus. When you see me, you see the Father. Homologia gives you the phonic spelling, definition, and agreement. A confession. Homologia, it means to say the same together, to speak to a conclusion. Do you see this? Properly, a conclusion embraced by common confession, profession, affirmation. What do you mean? To speak to a conclusion of the matter, minister, is to say the same thing about myself, about situations, about circumstances that God has said. That is my agreement. What God has said relative to my health. What God has said relative to my finances. What God has relative to say to my spirituality. How I'm placed before him. See, I say what he say, not what they say. And if Reb is telling me something other than what God said, I'm not listening to that portion of what Reb said. I'm sticking with God's agreement. So don't even let Reb tell you you're going to hell because you have a tattoo. Reb is in error. Why are we on that again? I want to get on that again. Are you here? <laughs> well, he better talk to Christ. Who has a brand on his thigh? Kings of kings. Uh, find that Timbers in Revelation. Since I done threw it out there. <laughs> Homologia also means to say the same thing about. Watch this. this, this let me tell you, let me show you why. Grace is not an excuse to live any kind of way. Homologia can refer to the collective agreement of Christians about what? God loves and hates and have the courage to proclaim it. So when I live in agreement, I love what he loves and I hate what he hates. I don't hate the people. I hate the act. But I love you. If God love it, I love it. If he hate it, I hate it. Oh, yo. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Now, now, now hold, hold on. Now, now that, that, that could be open for theological debate whether or not is it literal, is it figurative. Is it, my point is this. On his thigh means on his thigh. And if we're going to get technical, we have to wait until we see him and ask him. So whoever that was 
four. Y'all, that should have freed at least three of y'all. Pastor, ooh, thank you, Jesus, Pastor, because I've been feeling so bad. I had mama name on my arm, and the red told me, you're going to hell for that. The red was in error. Am I telling you to go get a tattoo? No. And see, what religion has done, again, it has condemned people. It has an extended grace. Dress this way. Put that on. Take that off. Do this. Do that. No. So I have to say the same thing about myself. As God says, he sees me seated in him. He sees me. I'm presented holy. Blame. And, and watch this. You, you'll see cleaning up that foul language. See, the practice. See, what we condemn, again, we condemn people, daughter, for the practice and not look at them rel- relative to their position. In a position, you'll see this. The, the, no cannot, the, the proper translation of Romans 8 and 1. Get the right one. I'm done. Let me just let me give you this little bit right here. I've been at dinner with preachers. And, and they, they had a little red wine or whatever. I don't, I don't, man of God. My God, apostle. Hey, he don't have to stand before me. It ain't my job. I don't, hey, I know, see, mine may not be alcohol. Mine might be, stop rolling my eyes at saints. <laughs> mine might be, be a little bit more sweeter to pastor. Well, that ain't mine. Again, testify. Okay. I always have to do that. See, when you say that, they, they must be at it. We not at it. Them, them, them days are long gone. I don't do them days no more. Whatever she say goes. I'll, whatever. Okay, yeah, do this. All right. She finally got me to the place where I act how she want me to act. <laughs> now, last week it was me getting her to play. Now she got me right. <laughs> this one will work, but therefore there is now no condemnation. The, the New King James or the King James is, is a misrepresentation of the literal because it says there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who walk uh, according to his written. Now, that, that's not probably the original. Give me the any, any chief. The, the reason why, it study will show you, the reason why that was inserted because scribes or leaders of old thought the apostle Paul's message was characterized by too much grace. That was the gospel that he was to preach. In other words, saying this is too good. We got to throw a little... Religion, we got to throw a little law back in there. See that? Let me throw a little law back in there. My bad. I'm sorry, Z. I seen you kind of turn like, hey, you better back up. <laughs> Did y'all see that? <laughs> you see the way she turned like? <laughs> back up, Pastor. There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. This is my point, guys. That doesn't mean, see, I can, see, I can love you. Doesn't mean I condone what you're doing. But my job is to, see, we were never told to condemn people. Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. That's his job. My job is to be a demonstration of grace. And maybe people will practice uh, 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 and look a little bit more like Jesus more speedily if we extend the grace that has been given to us like he does. You see, you see again, and I, let me say this so I can close. Should, should, I, should I drink? Should I not drink? Should I do this? Listen, this is the point. As you mature... And you know your way. Holy Spirit, he'll let you know what 
Should I smoke? Should I not smoke? Should I? He said, son, just, just keep coming. Let this word, he will do the work. As you stay in agreement, let him do the transforming. Are you here? And, and so, so, so who gets what I'm saying? Because you, you never, you, you don't really hear this. You see folk condemning the saints, then they sneaking off, <laughs> hoping you don't see this on TV. And we got to get to the place, guys, where we love people through the lenses of Jesus. See, that's what grace is, his unmerited favor. Unending love. His enabling power. It, look, watch this. And if you have, a, it, watch this. The more you desire, brother Moore, to get that practice to line up with my position, his enabling power infuses you to do just that. Come on, let's get a load of hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.